You are now tuned in to Hollywood Ways with Doug and Breezy. Oh, hey, Ted. I know that you like the lies, know you like the way it shines. There's no other place you'd rather be. This is how we do it in Hollywood. Hollywood this is how we do it in Hollywood. All right, welcome to Hollywood Ways. Um, you know, we talked about this on Victory a little bit this week, but it's, it's just a, it's a really sad, somber week with uh, the passing of Bob Saget, who is, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to uh, try to, you know, make my relationship out with Bob to be something it's not, but I do consider him a friend and I think he considered me a friend. But what I really consider him is uh, one of the great people that I was lucky enough to know in Hollywood, to work with. He came on Entourage at a time when it was still hard for us to get guests. And he also was really willing to play with his persona. And, and people keep asking me, oh, was, was that more Bob than Full House? And, and the truth is, um, the first thing I saw of Bob was on the Rodney Dangerfield HBO special when I was in high school. And uh, he was a skinny Jewish guy like I was with a, a good head of hair that I had back then also. And, and he was a guy that I thought I could do this. And he had that kind of innocence about him, but he was telling very dirty jokes. And um, the Bob that I knew was not a dirty guy. He was a really smart, quick-witted, thoughtful human being who um, he won an Academy Award as a student and almost went to USC film school and almost went to medical school and has a lot more going on than I think people know about. And I think maybe Full House, which is his biggest thing, I think he wanted to maybe do some darker stuff and, and do some more interesting stuff, not to dismiss um, Full House, which people love so much. Anyway, he was such a pleasure to work with on Entourage. And we had a show together, which I'm going to bring on one of my closest friends, Mike Young, who really knows Bob intimately, who's been on tour with him for many years. We'll talk about that. I'm working on a new show that we're doing that Bob would have 100% been a part of. And I know that not because I talked to him about it, but I know that if I called Bob, um, he would have said yes. And not because I'm some great thing, because Bob was a very giving, generous guy and he rarely said no. And I think that's why he worked so hard. And we have a memorial for him on Friday, which uh, I'm, I'm lucky to be a part of because the love that this man has in this town is really incredible. And, and all of us should hope uh, that we leave people behind that love us as much as people love Bob. So anyway, Mike Young is a comic. He just, he's one of my first friends in Hollywood and we met on a basketball court 30 years ago. He's slightly more athletic than me, but uh, he'll tell you that I was, uh, I was pretty okay. Um, but Mike just opened up for uh, Sebastian um, and he's opened for Bob for years. So I want to get into that. How you doing, Mike? Doug, Everything you said was spot on, bro. Ever since I've known you, you've just had a way with words. You've been concise. Your little skinny basketball fingers have done you <laughs> well as a type, as as a typist and a writer. And you just you nailed it. You nailed everything about Bob, buddy. And uh, I could tell you firsthand experience that when he when he was on Entourage, it sparked a trajectory. And I know you don't like to take credit and like say it changed this or that, but I was there from day one. And we were doing, you know, 500 seaters, 450 seaters, club run. 
He did Entourage. It became this freakish thing where next thing you knew, we jumped to theaters and we were doing 1,500, 2,000, 2,500 consistently for a year or maybe two years, you know? But did you introduce me to Bob? I just know that I met him through Entourage. And when he came through the show, you guys had like already connected. I I don't even want to say that I brought him to Entourage because I brought him to the Entourage movie. I don't remember what I had to do with the show other than meeting him through you guys, through the show. And you said you guys would be a great duo. And Bob was like, I said that. I mean, it was either you or someone that worked with you. You You owe me, you owe me some commissions that your agent has probably taken over the years. But uh, however it happens, Mike is a great comedian who was (coughs) used to be just my funny, very athletic basketball playing friend. And um, started stand up a little late. You started what? At 20, 28 28 years old, you were you were leaving stand up and I was coming. <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday, literally. It feels like it was yesterday. So I gotta be honest, Doug showed me a VHS tape of him playing the improv. He killed it. <laughs> you I know what? It, one of his jokes. It's something I talk about though, and I want to discuss with you. You know, you know me. I'm not a person who goes out. I was not a very social person. So stand-up comedy life was just not something that I loved. I loved being on the stage for the I only had five minutes, but for the five minutes I had at the time, but I see Bob and you and Jeff Ross and Gilbert and all of these guys that have this this friendship that really is entourage, by the way. It's these best friends that could count on each other all the time. So did you immerse in that whole group of guys? I immersed with Bob and some of his inner circle, but like guys like Ross, they knew Bob way before I did. So Bob, I always say Bob's got like a tight circle, but he's also got this wide circle, this wide net of people like Ross and Chappelle and all these people that look up to Bob who probably saw him like the same time you and I did on the Rodney show. And those guys are like more his peers and sort of like just the underclassmen of when he came up. And I was probably two classes below, you know what I mean? Two classes before that, which was where me and you probably saw him at the same time. So There is a fraternity of comedians that were willing to live the life. And I know that wasn't for you. I knew that from day one. It's just a life that you got to make a decision. Are you going to go hard? Are you going to be up late night? Are you going to go to the diner at three in the morning and be a little bit unhealthy? You know, while you get your chops in it, it was okay for me because I was single and I was just doing my thing. And I I didn't mind that life. I like it. That was part of my dream of stand up. So that tight fraternity it is, it is a little fraternity. It's, I feel like it's one of the only frats I've ever been able to belong to. And I think we're all a little bit of a bunch of misfit toys in that world. And you can see that at the comedy store or the improv whenever you're hanging out. So I immersed myself in that. And Bob was kind of like the leader of that with more stories and, than you and, can imagine. And tell me how, how it does go down that beginning. Like you were really, you were pretty much just started. How long have you been on the road with Bob? Since I met him with you guys, so it's over a decade. It's 15 years, probably. Like oh, my 15 God. 15 years. That is unbelievable. That on is and off. You know, if I went and, like, did a movie or whatever, if I was directing something, I took six months and I didn't go on the road. It's funny because I would tell myself, oh, I'm, I'm a workhorse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on the movie. And at nighttime, I'm going on stage. But I was done. I was right. spent and I lied to myself. And there was right. no way I had the energy for it. Well, that's the amazing thing about Bob. And you are a person with a lot of energy. But he never, ever seemed tired. And he was just always going and on always and always landing a great joke. Always. That's 
it's funny, Doug, because that's right. That's what he was about. And that's why people like the Norman Lears and Chappelle and all these guys love Bob because it's not just the fraternity. It's like, he was legit brilliant. He was legit funny. He was landing. Like you said, he would land an improv joke, no matter where it was. He did not miss a beat. He was like a jazz musician with it. And I think at the end of the day in that world, you don't just get a pass for being a nice person. They got to respect, no. your, they gotta respect yeah. your craft and then you're in. And that's kind of what they, they looked at Bob like. Like, we know you're funny, bro. Like, we know. Whatever you think about Full House, we know what you really are capable of. And he and so can hang t- with the big boys. So tell me, though, how this begins. Forgetting, forgetting if I had anything to do with the introduction. You were just really setting out and starting to do, and, and you were great and things were happening. But, and Bob, obviously, you said his career stand-up-wise started getting bigger then. But how does this come about that he says, I'm going to bring you on this journey with me? Whoever vouched for me in your world, that he literally just said, let's just check it out for a couple, a couple shows. So we just started out in Arizona, like year, you know, years ago, whatever it was. He was like, just try it. We'll just do a couple shows together. We clicked. We just clicked. He knew I was real about the craft. He respected my writing. He really loved the way I wrote jokes. Kind of, you know, we started to kind of like ping pong back and forth. And he realized I was an easy traveler. <laughs> and like, I was just easy. You know what I mean? I was no pain. I just had his back. It was safe with me. Secrets are safe. You know me, I'm a vault. <laughs> and so he just trusted me and we just built a fast, steady friendship and it kept going. And I was like, why would I even go struggle to like try to be on my own right now when I'm in front of a thousand people, a, you know, 5,000 people a weekend, multiple shows. Bob's put me on stage. It's a great gig. You can't ask for a better gig. And I couldn't ask for like a better mentor. So it started back then and it just kept going and it just sort of it weaved its own web. You know what I mean? He brought me in to write, you know, his video show and they tried to make a comeback with it. And then I, you know, worked on a show to develop for him. Then we'd go back on the road. So it just was an organic friendship, man, that, that and, just and, mutual respect. And give me a little more dimensions. I know Bob now 18 years. I, I've We've been together every year to his charity event that's amazing for i i have such a hard time pronouncing it scleroderma research which scleroderma which he lost his sister to and he puts on this incredible event every year but give me a little color because bob i've never seen him upset i've never seen him edgy i've never seen him impatient he always seems like he's in a great mood so is that the whole picture or what no let me tell you bob was a three-dimensional human being And he would get upset if you didn't have the sound right at the show, if your lighting scheme wasn't the way he needed it, if sound check wasn't going well and you didn't have the guitar ready to go. He was a perfectionist, like a lot of us are. You don't want Bob just to be friendly, happy, go lucky. He took the job super seriously. And if you didn't take it as seriously as he took it, he got upset and he would just he would put you in check. And I've seen him scold many a sound man around the country. You know, but Bob also, he was sweet, full house Bob, and he was edgy Bob. And there's no, that wasn't, there was no mistake that that Jeff Franklin didn't see something sweet in that character and in him or, you know, innately. Because Bob, he would scold you, and I've seen him do it to all these people on the road, but within 10 seconds, 
that person leaves the room, he would say to me, I can't believe I was so mean to that guy. Can you get him back here, please? I cannot believe I was <laughs> mean to him. I got to talk to him. I can't even take it would kill him all night until he got a chance to apologize to the poor sound man who just took a berating. And he made sure he always left it on good terms. And I'm talking about every level, Doug. That's awesome. Yeah, every level. He And he took care of everybody. I mean, I'll just give you one, Bob. This is exactly what Bob was. We get to Denver. We're doing a show in Cheyenne, Wyoming. There's a, a, a the driver comes. She can't find us at the airport. Bob's going crazy on the phone. Where are you? We're at, we're at the second, you know, we're at the second inch. Where are you? She's like, I don't know. I've never been to this airport. He's like, okay, we're going to stay right here. Park your car and you come up to where we are. The poor lady, she's got like, you know, very nice, like Indian garb on and she, you know, she's Cheyenne, Wyoming. She's so like peace and love. She comes up frantic. Bob's like, I, I can't take this. We need to go downstairs. We go down to her car. It's already getting towed. It's about <laughs> no joke. It's 80 feet down the road. I've never seen Bob run or do anything athletic <laughs> in my life. Fleet footedly takes off after the tow truck because he feels so bad for this lady. He gets to the tow tow truck driver. He's like, Bob, I'm Bob Saget. I'm Bob Saget. Just, just stop. He gets the tow truck guy to stop, gets the car off. So the guy recognizes him. Guy recognized. By the way, the sheriff is there too. Because the police at the airport, they don't know what this car is. It's just sitting. It could have been a bomb threat. Bob saves the day. Sheriff is like, doesn't care who Bob is in the beginning, but then finally like softens up. Tough guy, sheriff. The lady's still frantic. She's the driver. Bob says, listen, calm down, relax, get in the car. I'm going to drive. And Bob ends up driving us to the hotel and she sits in back with me and Bob and Kelly, his wife, ride in front and I'm in the back with the driver. And he, Bob could have easily, a lot of us would have called the company and said, don't ever send this person again. This is a debacle. Bob never said a word. He let it ride. This woman was in tears. She was terrified and sad. And Bob just got everybody home safe and made sure everybody was cool and they left. That truly was him. He always took care of you. And what about with you? Any, did you ever have any personal conflicts with him in all these years where you're on the road together traveling? Like what? What happens? Well, we, I mean, we had a bunch of funny stuff. Like, you know, after this many years, like I, listen, I've told you. Like a couple. This, yeah, we're a couple. I'm a second wife. I'm Bob's <laughs> second wife. So we're, we're battling over. I wrote a couple jokes. I wrote a couple jokes in his songs. I'm sorry that they happened to kill when he played. <laughs> they killed. They destroyed. You know what I mean? But let's just say he forgot after a few months. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't ask for credit, Doug. I'm not even caring about it. I swear I'm not even caring. But maybe one night we're out and he just like mentions how he's killing and he cannot believe this line. <laughs> killing. So fine, man. I'm like, I, I got to just say to you, Bob, I, I wrote that line. Like I, I sat with you in the green room and I, I wrote it for you. Oh, don't tell me you wrote it. Don't tell you did. Right. Finally, he softened up. He's like, fine. I admit that you wrote it, but you don't ever have to tell anybody that you wrote it. I'm like, I wasn't ever going to tell anybody. So there was... There was, I mean, with this guy who I think, I don't know, I haven't checked this out, but as far as I know, he's the only guy with two top 10 shows on television at the same time when he had Full House and America's Home Videos. There's still that insecurity that, that you insecurity. know. Insecurity. Doug, he would do a show and come off stage, and I'm listening thinking, oh, he killed. He'd come off stage, he's like, there's a guy in the third row. He wasn't laughing. What the hell's wrong with this guy? You think <laughs> I offended him? Did I say something to him? Why would he even do that? What's he doing here? This guy doesn't even need to be here. <laughs> I mean, he was, 
he felt everybody. He felt wow. everybody's energy. And you know what that is on stage. If one person isn't laughing and you don't know what's going on, you can't stop thinking about yep. it. Yep. Off stage, and you might have killed you might have killed in front of 3,000 people, but there's a guy in the third row that you can't get over. That's, That's why so I quit. Weird. <laughs> no, totally. There's, there was the third row, sixth row, 11th, 12th, 18th. And then I just said, I can't take this anymore. But so, and what about, you know, Kelly, who I only met once, but I was actually, you and I were working with Bob on, <laughs> on the show we were talking about when he first met Kelly. And I just, you know, you know, there's guys who talk about their girlfriends with pains in the asses, this and that. Bob would just praise her and talk amazingly about her and his children, and even to me, his ex-wife, which I have no idea what the relationship was. Was that relationship as great as, as he would make it out to be? Yeah, because I say Kelly's the only one who could deal with Bob. Like, she did deserve a trophy. You know what I mean? Bob would give you a monologue for 40 minutes on one subject, <laughs> and she's listening. She's an angel. Right. She is an angel. Yeah. So, yeah, Bob was lucky. To, I told Bob a hundred times. Yeah, bro. You outkicked your coverage. <laughs> you went weights. You got way better. Just relax. Drink some water and be happy where you're at because you ain't doing better than that. Yeah. You know, so she is that cool. Plus, she's Sicilian. You know what I mean? So he couldn't run over her. She's Sicilian. <laughs> she's tough. Him, she stood right up to him. And she she's just, you know, this is. This is the this is the tough thing, you know what I mean? I mean, real, really, Mike. Have you ever seen? I mean, especially in Hollywood, have you ever seen a guy that nobody has a bad word to say about? There's not a single person coming out to say this guy was an asshole here. This guy was that. He just was universally beloved. I mean, it's it's amazing. It is amazing, and I I like I fancy myself, and you fancy yourself, somebody. We fancy ourselves as people who know people and we kind of can judge people. Bob, he had another gear to him where he just felt people on every level. He was hyper, hyper sensitive. And that's why he was so beloved because his heart just poured out. And I don't want to get spiritual or esoteric, but I, he just spent it all, man. He spent it, bro. He would take care of me so well, like, he, you know, if, if, if I was like checking the hotel or on my phone, give me your phone. All of a sudden, no joke. Like, the phone is connected to American Express. The miles are going to Delta. Bonvoy, he like wouldn't settle down until I was connected to Bonvoy Marriott. Like, I don't care about the Bonvoy. I don't care about that. But Bob made sure everything was perfect. He would call me at the, like when I'm at the hotel, if we weren't in the same hotel, he'd call me and go, do you like your hotel? Is it cool? Do I need to change your room? No, bro, I'm good. I'm so good. It's it's interesting you say that because you know at at the at the charity event one night, you know Connolly and I bid on something, and I don't remember I don't remember the exact story, but however the logistics were working, we weren't getting whatever we paid for, and and Connolly was like, uh, "What do we do?" And I'm like, "I'm not gonna bother Bob about whatever the fuck this is." By the way, he knew what we bid on. He knew everything. Like he was on that charity, and he was gonna get every dollar for this research, which is really, really important. And anyone who listens to this, who can afford to donate some money to this thing and in honor of Bob and his sister, this scroll I wish I could pronounce it, but it's, it's a horrifying 
awful disease. And, and Bob has really helped make inroads to it. But anyway, so I saw him and he was like, how was the night? Like he's, there was a thousand people there, by the way. And we're talking A-listers and Chappelle's on stage and John Mayer's playing the guitar and a million other people. And Bob still knows what Connolly and I bid on, where we were sitting, what was going on. And he said, how did everything go? And I was like, well, you know, we bid on this and, and whatever the problem was, he got on it and made sure it was taken care of. And I'm like, I remember calling Connolly. Thanks a lot for making me fucking bother Bob with this and the whole thing. But you felt like he really was happy to do it and wanted to make sure it was good. And, and that's, you know, and that's why I say like, I'm uncomfortable saying it. I love the guy. Like literally. Listen, I took care of it on the slide. (laughs) I took care of it. I was like, Mike, you got to handle this because (laughs) Because Bob would be, he'd be going 100 miles an hour and he's not going to maybe remember that the vacation that Connolly paid for wasn't getting <laughs> taken care of and he was never going to Bermuda or wherever, whatever, <laughs> whatever that vacation was. I remember it and I swear to you, I remember in the green room going, Bob, I know you got a lot on your mind, but just when you get a chance, I just want you to know Doug and Kevin went in on a, on, a, on a gift and they haven't gotten any communication. They're still in LA. No one's on a private plane to Bermuda. I just want you to know what, what, what next thing you know, he's on his phone. He's contacting nine people. I took care of it. It's done. It's going to happen. You know, I, he was never, I mean, he would never want to yeah. disappoint you or, or Kevin at the, or anyone though. That's what I feel Anybody. like. You know, I really do. I feel like that. I think like he's one of those, people that makes you feel like you're the most important person in the room. And, you know, when, when the entourage thing happened, you know, again, as I remember it, either you or Weiss introduced me to him. I have no idea, but someone said, you want Bob Saget. And I just wrote the script and we didn't even think about what he would think about this character that we were creating. That was whatever. And, and I don't know if he ever, if you ever got to talk to him about it, but initially he just said, don't make me poor. Do anything else you want to me. Make me anything. I'll be into drugs. I'll be into hookers. And I want everyone to know because I've had a lot of press call me and go, is that closer <laughs> to the real Bob? And I can say with full-fledged honesty, I've never seen Bob be anything other than right. generous and kind with women. I've never seen drugs. None of that in my purview has ever entered the equation but uh did he ever talk to you about that character on the show and 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 like was it just fun for him do you know or or, it was fun like i said it was fun for him it did a big thing for him i mean and he admitted it for a long time and but then as time went on bob was like you know just want you to know, like, you know, I'm a real actor, you know, like we don't need to just keep doing just this part. I, I don't want to just play this part. So as time went on, he really started to get identified with that character. That's so crazy. No, for real. Like, yeah. and Bob being Bob is just the, what I loved about him. It, sometimes in his mind, he's Bob De Niro. He was De Niro, you know, and he wanted his great performance. Yeah. So when people started really thinking he was that character, probably after a year or so, which, by the way, we just got done selling out theater after theater because of that boost, for real. He definitely was like, you know, I, I got to want to get away from that character. It's time for me to do something serious. Maybe I play a doctor. Maybe I play a lawyer. I'm going to be a psycho in a movie. So he but wanted you know, but you, but you know what? I think that's what's so interesting about him. And people can dismiss Bob. But the fact is, he created something on Full House that people thought was so him that when he did this on Entourage, 
they were like shocked. And then to think that years later, that's why I'm saying when the press calls me and says, what do you think? And, and, and I, I've said this, I've never really seen Full House, but I know what he was and what it is. And me, I'm just saying me, he's closer to the sweet, nice father guy than he is to the drug addict, uh, you know, uh, cocaine guy. And it's not even close. And, and somewhere in his mind is somewhere in between. And that's why I say I want people to know how intelligent this guy was. He could have gone to medical school. He won an Academy Award when he was 21 years old doing a student film. And and I think that what's what often happens in Hollywood is people get typecast and to have them get typecast twice as two completely different things are pretty are pretty wild. I asked Bob to do a bar mitzvah video for my son and he did this thing. It wasn't just like, hey, hey, Lucas, how you doing? He got Stamos and he did this whole rehearsed thing and put it together and it was no bullshit. And it was just like, God, we all need to take everything we do as serious as he does, because he was doing me a favor. He, he was gaining nothing from it. But I think he did want everything he did to be great. And I think Absolutely. that's important for everybody to take away from that, you know? Doug, I, I've shot 20 videos of him doing a bar mitzvah take. And it's like, take 19. Bob, it's just a bar mitzvah video. You know what I mean? Just do it again this time. Raise the camera just a little bit. Hey, my do lighting's not right. He wanted it all to be perfect. He wanted it all to be right on point, whether it was a bar mitzvah video or a film. He really cared, man. He cared. Well, really I'll tell did. you, I, I really mean this. And we know when someone passes away and you hear all these great things about him, you have 24 hours you spend trying to be better and try to do this. But I really do. I mean this. You know, I was I was writing the script. And again, I'm not trying. I've, I've said this to any press that called me. I, I'm not trying to make this about me in any way. But I was sitting at the table when Ted, um, he knows how hard I'm grinding on this script right now, sends me this news before it really even broke. And honestly, I just I just started fucking crying. I mean, I just like I couldn't believe it. I, I as I said earlier, I think of him. I've been so moved by all of the things and 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 really just looking at the relationships he had with you and Stamos and Jeff Ross and, and Gilbert. Again, I don't even know Gilbert, so I don't want to act like I do. But uh, it's really a tragic loss. And um, I feel so bad for Kelly and his and his kids and um you know, Listen, man, it's it's been weird for me to be honest. I've been hit up by, I, I don't know how these people even found me. I've been hit up by a hundred of these outlets, right? And so, like you said, everybody, Bob made everyone feel like they were his best friend, and it's like it started to dwindle down. And I kept getting hit up, and I'm not seeing like everybody that Bob always talks about to me. I'm I'm not seeing them talk everywhere. I'm going, wait a minute, maybe I really did know Bob on a, on a really deep level. And I need to let people know if all these people are reaching out to me, because, it, you know, Doug, it, it just it felt weird, to be honest yeah. with you. I, I called Kelly and I actually I called his wife. I said, you know, all these places are reaching out to me. Do you want me to talk about Bob? I, I've never done this before. I don't know how to react to this. I can flip it in my mind as a tribute, but I don't want this to be about me. And of course, my comedy friends like Sebastian's hit me up. He's like, you've never got more press in your life. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, you know, and I'm just like, it, it's just like, it's a very awkward thing. You know, you know what though? And I, and I said, people definitely reached out to you because I kept saying to people and I was reluctant also. But I think I, I do think the thing is when especially 
when you're talking about someone that you really did care about, no matter no matter how well you knew him and someone who I do think the way people speak about him can influence other people and and get people to take a moment out of their lives and a moment out of the day to appreciate stuff. Uh, I, I think it's important. And I thought, to be honest with you, you were the second person I thought of after after Bob's family, because I know how long you've been with them and I know how important that business relationship is as well as the personal. And I think when you find people like that, we've had some talks on this podcast. When you find a mentor who's believes in you and is willing to help you, it's, it's an amazing thing. And I think I know Bob didn't do that for you because he wanted to be charitable. Just like I didn't put Bob on entourage to help his career. I put Bob on entourage because I thought he would be great and he was better than I could have ever imagined. And whatever happened for him after that, he doesn't owe me a thing. You know, it's it's that we got to get someone to spread more of their talents and more importantly, to spread more of the fact that he was a really he was a kind guy and I don't know what went on in his head. I don't know what dark secrets he, he held or, or whatever, like most of us comedians, I don't want to say I'm a comedian, but you know what I'm saying? And uh, I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, I feel terrible, but I do. I, I, I'm really sorry for you because I know how, how tight you are. And, uh, and uh, you know, take another look at Bob and not just full house look at his stand-up from when he was in his early 20s and and like i said there were two guys who came on dangerfield that i remembered and both of them i did put on entourage and that's why and it was dice and it was bob and dice is another one that people think is like he's that guy that was on stage no he's not like he's a real nice guy yeah i told you dice called me i told you he dice called me you know yesterday just to apologize what do you mean apologize? To say sorry for your loss? I mean, I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, sorry, right, right. Sorry for yeah, your not loss. like he did something. Yeah, no, he does happen. Sorry for your loss. I've been meaning like, to apologize we, all these years. Yeah. <laughs> but, we know, but, we, but we know Dice, and he's so his, in his own lane and in his own zone. Hmm. Uh, for him to do that was just, it meant, it meant a ton to me. Yeah. And, and, I mean, I could tell you Dice stories, too, because through you, Dice and I became friends. Like, I was, I was never close to Dice until the last 10 years, you know, but it was really through the entourage situation and the common ground that he believed in you and you vouched for me and Dice just like loved me and I loved Dice and I was so fanned out about Dice for so long because he was like the first guy I was like, I, I got to do comedy. This guy's like a hero and I know Doug thinks the same way about Dice. Yeah. You know, so it's always hard to transition from a fan to a friend. Yeah. And Bob was the same way. But but Dice called me yesterday and just, you know, was so upset. And he, you know, he went on and on until he got a good laugh out of me, you know, until he got a couple of good laughs out of me. And then he posted something about, you know, talking to me. But yeah, that's just an act that he does. That's just performance, you know, and people like think you can be like you said, De Niro, you can be taxi driver and be a killer and be this. But then, oh, you're just acting. But stand up comedy is acting, of course. A lot of people bring their real personalities into it, but they're performing. And Bob, I think it, I think it's actually really like important that people do look at his whole body of work, because the truth is he really created something as simple as you want to think it is to do a, a family sitcom. It isn't. And and to transfer over to that and be so real with it, that people believe it, that people believe he's a coked out hooker loving guy when they believed he was the perfect father for a decade before that. It, it, it's you know it's whatever i mean I- bob, right bob was complex bob was multi-dimensional 
And, you know, like one of the things I just want people to always know is, is really, he just took care of you at, I told, I, I said to Bob, I go, you're the best travel agent I've literally ever met in my life. I've never seen anybody who can make sure his three daughters get to where they need to go, make sure that their hotel rooms are good. You know what I mean? You're taking over my phone, which is annoying me. Please give me my phone back. <laughs> but now you're putting on these weird hotel apps to make sure that I have like a great hotel when I get to where I'm going. And when it came to, he didn't waste time. He didn't waste time. There was no like, he wasn't like a big gnat, like he would sleep in because he was tired from the show the night before, but he didn't waste time when he was with you. You know, there's, there's like, and you're kind of like this, Doug, it, you're kind of, you got that thing where like, you kind of have to be honest with people when you're having a conversation with them. If you met a stranger and I've, I've kind of seen you do this before, if I've introduced you to like a stranger, most people will be talk to a stranger and they'll be aloof and they kind of won't care what the stranger might say if it goes against what they believe. But you're the kind of guy and Doug was the kind of guy that if you disagreed with this stranger, Bob. you would kind of stop in your tracks and you would have that uncomfortable conversation. Yeah, and, it's so stupid though. That That is a waste no, of time. You could say it's <laughs> stupid, but it's something I admire, even though no one ever punched you in the face. I got punched <laughs> in the face every time someone disagreed with me. You didn't. But for some reason, Bob had that, that truth meter. He just had that truth meter. And most people, 90% of people, you could just talk to them and they'll just let it go over their head because they don't want confrontation or they don't think it's worth it. He would have that healthy argument, that healthy disagreement. And I always respected that. And it was just him being his true self. Yeah. So that, that was something I took from him as well as, as well as just taking the craft seriously and being that, and caring that much about it. That's right. It's, it's awesome. And, and as I said, I think everybody who gets into this business or any business should be grateful and thankful if they get to, to meet someone who wants to mentor them. And you had that. And for me, to get someone of his caliber to come on entourage and be willing to, to take a chance. Because, by the way, it could have been disastrous. It could have been seen as something really horrific and, and awful. And uh, instead, people like, like, I can't tell you how many messages are, uh, I'm getting on DMs that Bob was their favorite cameo and this and that. And, uh, you know, but, but really more important than the work is, is what he left behind with all these bitter, angry comedians, as we know, a dark, depressed group of people. I think all of them really looked at Bob as, as the light in the, in the group that you could turn to if you needed something. And, and that's what, what's better to say about somebody. So um, it's, it's, it's interesting because the, 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 the funeral's coming up and they're going to memor- have a memorial. And I know they'll do something for him at the comedy store. And I don't have that gear where I can turn like the death of a great friend into like this comedy where some of these guys have gone on and talked about their friends and made jokes. I'm, I'm nervous for myself because I am a crier. I cry yeah. right here. You know, I'm just like a crier yeah. and I don't know how that's going to go with me. And I just, I don't know. And I'm, I'm, I'm just like nervous about the whole thing. And, and to me, I'm not like ready to just crack the jokes. Maybe I'm ready to tell some stories and I'll just be able to just tell stories about them. However that comes across great, but I'm not going to be writing jokes. You know what I mean? For Well, for well I think, people. I think some people also don't know the sensitive comedians and Mike Young, you, you know, if, if you're not, I, I don't even know if you can see him in this video, but this guy is like a super athlete, six two, two 220 pound 
boxer or maybe not 220, probably 190, but whatever. But but Mike Young one day, me and him, who and I'm not a, a super boxer, but I, I talk like I'm a tough guy. And and Mike and I one day, when Adele's album came out with um um what's the goddamn song? I I whatever it was, the day it came out seven years ago, eight years ago, whatever the hell it was, I'm driving around and I hear this song, someone like you, and I play it. 50 times in a row and I am driving around in my car and I, I just call Mike because I know sensitive Mike, who's this tough guy. And I go, Mike, you got to put on this Adele album. And he goes, Doug, I'm driving around right now. I've been listening to it over and over and over. And you got these two dudes. And my real point to that story is these are real relationships. And again, I love Bob with the limited knowledge of him and our relationship. But Mike, you traveled with him for 15 years and he loved you like a brother's son, whatever you want to call it. And I, I do, I think it's really special and I'm really sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for the world's loss. And, um, you know, I'm going to see you on Friday at, at the Memorial and, uh, feel proud to, to talk about them and, and, and really let people know the details that they don't because you were in spaces that nobody else would be so i I just you know safe travels and uh, i I, I love you brother this is probably this is really like one of my first friends in hollywood and it's been now 30 years i know your game i know your dribble style i know i mean just tell them just tell them the passes were on point for slow feet the hands and you saw me you saw me get on rollerblades with a hockey stick when i hadn't done it in 20 years just i'd be i'd be lying i'd be lying (laughs) if i didn't say doug ellen had soft hands Quality passing ability, <laughs> high high intellect for for sports. Good basketball I just, IQ. I would say basketball IQ. But then all of a sudden, one day he like picks up rollerblades and we're going and we're passing the puck. I'm 25 years deep into hockey. Doug picks up some rollerblades. He's got handles. I don't like to say that about a lot of people. Doug yeah. is a natural athlete. I'll it, give it to you. It's, it's, it's a shame because I have that coordination athlete. I used to say to Mike, if I had your strength, your real athletic ability with my, my mindset and vision, I, I could have done something with it. But whatever. But anyway, you. I love, you, Doug. I love you too, brother. Safe travels. I'll see you on Friday. And, uh, Okay, brother. That's it. That wraps up another episode. Uh, just still stunned by this, but uh, Bob Saget, we love you and we will miss you for a long time. And uh, and we'll be back next week. Hollywood Ways, we'll be back. <laughs>